University of New Mexico Bureau of Business and Economic Research study finds community solar could support 3,760 total jobs and generate over 517 million in short-term economic impact for the state. And here to talk to us about some of the bills in this year's legislative session that deal with growing this market, as well as simply the benefits of going solar, are Senator Elizabeth or Liz Stefanics, Democrat from Bernalillo, Lincoln, San Miguel, Santa Fe, Torrance, and Valencia County. Also, Kevin Cray is joining us. He is Regional Director for Coalition for Community Solar Access. Thank you both so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on our show. Well, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, it's great to be here, MK. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Liz, can we start with you? I understand you have two bills up. Tell us about these bills and what they're going to do for solar energy. Well, we have two bills. They are duplicates. One is Senate Bill 84 that we're running through the Senate. The other one is House Bill 106, the Community Solar Act. And uh, the bill has a great history. Over several years, we have been trying to introduce the idea of community solar, and there's been some misunderstanding, uh, questions about what it even is, some opposition. So this last year, uh, we did a memorial that put together a work group for six months that looked at the topic to try to see where we had some commonalities, where we could work together, where we would still have opposition. And so I uh, and others, uh, Kevin was included, a representative Patricia Roybal Caballero, and many others, Senator Pat Woods on the Republican side participated in this work group. But we met every other week for two hours for six months with about 60 people. And we tried to take the consensus from all of these individuals, or at least a majority vote, to put into this Community Solar Act. But we didn't do it all by ourselves. We have a lot of uh, expertise here in the state of New Mexico with Vote Solar, with the Commission, with Western Resources, with uh, Sierra Club, Conservation Voters, and many others, but we utilized the National Renewable Energy Laboratory to provide, they're based in Colorado, and we use them to provide several trainings at the beginning of our meetings so that everybody would get on the same page when they were talking about community solar, when they were talking about renewable energy credits, when they were talking about the role of utilities, the role of the co-ops, how to cover low-income individuals. So we utilize NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, to really be our educator in this uh, process. And throughout the process, we had breakout groups, we had discussions, we had presentations from some of our in-state experts, and we also met with the chair of the Public Regulation Commission. You know, to me, community solar represents uh, an opportunity for folks who can't otherwise participate in on-site solar. 
Um, and it gives them an option to, to really be a part of the energy transition and realize the associated benefits of doing so. Uh, community solar projects themselves typically are represented by small to mid-scale um, solar facilities that are anywhere from two to five megawatts in size typically. Um, and then they provide uh, energy credits uh, on the electric bills for the participating customers. And those are applied by the host utility to which the project is interconnected to. Um, to put the, uh, those megawatts into perspective, uh, one megawatt of solar is about five to eight acres of land, just to give you a, a geographic representation. Can you expound a bit more on what the specific benefits of solar or going solar are to New Mexico? Yeah, there's really a, a broad set of benefits. Um, and I'd say first and foremost is the construction of the projects. And that was really the basis for the economic report that we had. So one aspect of the report that really stood out to me was that it could create up to $2.9 million annually in tax revenue for the state. That's based on private companies expending capital. Um, and this comes at no increased state or tax uh, increase there in the state. There's no tax increase to the average citizen, but the opportunity to create pretty substantial annual tax revenue for the state. And then there's also some additional long-term benefits from the ongoing O&M of these projects. And that's kind of captured in the part of the report that talks about the per county benefits. And it was showing up to $15 million in economic output and 117 new jobs over a 20-year period on a per county basis. So I think that's uh, really important, and I hope that through the legislative process, we'll be able to keep the, the rules and regulations very flexible on the siting of these projects so that all rural communities have the opportunity to benefit. The economic impact from direct and indirect benefits uh, was around $517 million over five years. I mean, it also created a lot of really quality, uh, high-paying jobs uh, to the tune of over 3,700 uh, based on the models that they did. So I think that's really the baseline for the, the benefits for New Mexico is really rejuvenizing the economy and allowing um, you know, smaller landowners the opportunity to, to participate in the energy transition. Um, on the subscriber side, this Programs provide energy savings and energy certainty for customers. Um, so for residential customers, that just helps lower their electricity bills. Uh, for commercial customers, it gives them an opportunity to have price certainty into the future so that they can do more accurate long-term planning or can expand their businesses based on knowing that they have certainty in their energy uh, bills moving forward. Uh, and beyond that, they can also leverage some PR benefits from highlighting that they're participating in solar, even though they might not have the ability to host something on the roof of their, their small business. So think of a local coffee shop or bike shop um, wanting to show that they're a leader in the sustainability space to their customers. And this gives them a really good opportunity to do that. 30% of the subscribers to any kind of community solar project would be low income individuals. And this is something that uh, we try, you know, we aspire to whenever we set up programs in the state, but this being very prescriptive would let the Public Regulation Commission know that they have to then monitor any projects when they approve it to ensure that that is going to occur. This bill does give responsibility to the Public Regulation Commission to actually approve and help set up uh, these programs with the utilities or the developers who want to do such a project, because all projects then have to be tied in to either the electric co-ops or the investor-owned utilities.
Now, we spent a lot of time working with tribes in our process this time, and also the rural electric co-ops. The uh, investor-owned utilities participated in our work groups, but we're really in the background because I don't expect them to come forward to support this fully. Now, we shouldn't be threatening the large investor-owned utilities with this project because we're talking about small projects that offer subscriber members the opportunity to do something they can't do on their own. There would be a core tenant that might be a small business that would then allow subscribers, residential subscribers to come in and the low income subscribers to come in. But that anchor tenant would actually be a business because they would be using some of their capital to get this going. When we met with the chair of the Public Regulation Commission, um, we asked how prescriptive or non-prescriptive should we be in this bill? And the one thing that we were told is they don't have anything in the law or the rules that says they can mandate that low-income people should be given consideration in any of the projects. And so we wanted to make sure the whole goal here of doing community projects is taking community solar to communities, to tribes, and letting them include people who wouldn't be included in the past. So your renters, the people who can't afford to put something on their own home or in their own yard, uh, this really is offering the opportunity. Now, in this bill, we do have a cap of 100 megawatts, which means that the projects would be smaller. So this, the projects might be anywhere from 2 megawatts to 5 megawatts. But the idea here is that it's really not creating a very large-scale project that would threaten a utility. And Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong as I'm talking about this, because Kevin is the expert, and I'm really coming at it from the emotional uh, perspective of we need to offer some renewable energy to individuals who can't really get it on their own. Now, we know that the state has some renewable energy goals for the entire state, and this is something that would lend itself to that. I'm the chair of the Senate Conservation Committee this year, and we have many bills. We're looking at clean air. We're looking at clean energy. What better to do some clean energy than community solar and then perhaps some wind energy as well? And we know many wind projects are going on around the state as well. But we're here today to talk about community solar. I'll put um, you know some of the megawatt numbers in perspective. Uh, 100 megawatts a year spread across the, the investor-owned utilities equates to approximately 1% of their cumulative retail sales. Um, so that's just kind of speaking to the fact that this is really just a small portion of the energy mix um, and a small portion of the customers that the utility are serving that would be kind of participating in this. And obviously, we hope that that will continue to grow into the future. But I think that kind of a measured approach really felt right for New Mexico, um, and that will give them some good data to take a look at. Another thing that we have in the legislation is a prescribed look back by the PRC. 
and that will allow them to evaluate how the community solar program is doing um, and identify and, and recommend some proposed changes back to the legislature. And I think that's really um, a, a good approach. And it allows for those changes to be based on real world data in New Mexico, as opposed to just forecasts or assumptions brought in from other states. What is the pushback? Have you gotten much? And what is it? Well, in past years, um, for example, the the rural electric co-ops did not want to have the provision of an opt-out, which would require them to participate and put up all the good reasons for opting out. This time, their board did come forward with a resolution asking unanimously from them to opt in. And there are several reasons for this. One is that some of the rural electric co-ops are small. They don't have as many professional staff uh, or skills that would be required to do this. And so they want to be able to phase this in even while they're addressing how they are going to provide renewable energy. And so we wanted to respect that, but it wasn't necessarily something that was palatable to the uh, Indian nations, Pueblos and tribes. So we had a special tribal task force that actually negotiated with our working group and uh, then was eventually able to accept the opt-in. But the opt-in should not be seen as, oh, the rural electric co-ops won't be participating. It just allows them to phase in as they can. So as Kevin indicated, there is a three-year evaluation uh, piece in this bill, and we have many people still coming forward with ideas of what should be added or changed in the bill. So we're suggesting that let's go ahead with this core bill. We cut it down quite a bit. It's The bill is maybe 11 pages. And if you've looked at legislation, you know it's double-spaced um, printing on a page. But we have a bill with about 11 pages, and we're saying let us try what we have here for three years, and then we can come back, as Kevin indicated, and add to it or change it. Now, the utilities don't want to be told to hook up energy that they're not creating. And that's one of the pieces of the pushback. But we would like the utilities to see this as a joint venture, that we're all working towards renewable energy goals together. And that while they are doing massive, large projects, there shouldn't be any cause to kick out these small projects. And in fact, these small projects can be part of their portfolio eventually. So that's what we're trying to work on. So the rural electric co-ops and the investor-owned utilities are the ones who have expressed concerns to us in the past. Will they this time this year? I don't know. The first committee for the Senate bill that we um, have proposed, uh, Senate Bill 84, is this Thursday morning in Senate Conservation. 
the first committee for House Bill 106, in, which is the mirror bill, is over in the House, is in House Energy next, I believe, Tuesday morning. So that is the um, start of these two bills. We would like to see uh, one of them progress far enough and then just move into the second house. The Senate has never had a formal vote on the floor on community solar. So we would like to advance this bill in the Senate to get it on record that senators are supporting this whole concept and then move it over to the House for them to finish it up. But as you know, the uh, legislative processes can be full of surprises. Do you have a pretty good feeling about it this year, as in that it may actually pass? I do. I know the sentiment of the Senate better than I know the sentiment of the House. And so in the Senate, we have seven new Democrats and we have three or four new Republicans. I know that many of the new Democrats ran on the position of supporting community solar. So those are people that I will expect to vote for it in committee and vote for it on the floor of the Senate when it gets there. You're going to be holding their feet to the fire. Yes. <laughs> I think 2021 is going to be the year of community solar in New Mexico. Um, and I think a large part of that, um, and to the senator's credit, was the working group that came out of Senate Memorial 63 last year. Um, to me, that was a big part of what was missing from this process in previous years was um, you know, dedicated and um, specific stakeholder engagement and the ability for people to come and, and you know, air their concerns and, and talk through the different aspects that could make a really good community solar bill and, and program in New Mexico. And I think we've really had the opportunity to do that. And we, we had really robust participation in that working group. We got a lot of good ideas. We did a lot of education um, with folks around kind of what community solar is and what other markets have done that has been really successful. Um, so to me, we've just set ourselves up for, uh, for a lot of success by putting a lot of effort into that process over last summer and fall. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to, to get seeing these things move through committee and, and through the rest of the legislative process and then uh, on to implementation at the PRC. Absolutely. Now, if this doesn't happen, Liz, where do we go from here? We will continue to work on it because we have taken concerns from past years, studied those and tried to work them out in the bill for this year. And I think that this economic study that shows how much our state could benefit, not in terms of just jobs, but also the money and the tax revenues, I think this would just be really needed during this time. It's, we're in an economic downturn because of the virus. And this is a perfect time to start looking at economic development. And this really meets a couple of different goals. It may, meets renewable energy goals, but it also meets some economic development goals. And that's one of the things that we need. Um, who is primarily going to be impacted by solar energy out there in terms of our of uh, the, the the economic impact? Who who will it benefit the most? 
Well, I believe it's going to benefit Anchor Tenants, which is a business, and the subscribers because it's a long-term investment and over the many years. Now, I've, I didn't say, but personally, on my property, I live in a rural area. I share a well with a neighbor, and we have a solar field uh, that we put in many, many years ago. And we knew that it was going to take several years to pay off the investment, but that in, during those several years, I was receiving both renewable energy and TNM, who I'm connected to, was receiving my energy as well. And they're receiving more energy than what I'm using, which is a good thing for PNM. But it's also supporting two houses and a well that's jointly used by different properties. So it will create jobs. The community colleges are the ones that are primarily doing the training programs for community solar and for our wind technology. And they are ready, they're up and running with these programs. So there will be many opportunities for individuals to retrain or to gain a second career if they wish to. You know, beyond the, the construction workers that are working on the projects and beyond the subscribers that benefit from subscribing to the, the projects, there's also ancillary benefits to restaurant owners, professional services, real estate, retail. And that was all really captured in that economic report in kind of that trickle down effect from having the economic impact from the construction of the project. So that's something else that um, just gets me excited about seeing the benefits spread far and wide. And in particular, to a lot of rural areas of the state, um, as opposed to a lot of other economic development opportunities focused more around the, the more populated areas. So I think those are elements that get me personally really excited about community solar and bringing the benefits to, to a lot of New Mexicans. And one of the things that the utilities are required is to uh, accumulate renewable energy credits based upon their projects and their development. And these small community solar projects can actually become the wrecks that these utilities want. Either they're given or they purchase from the developers. The developers, of course, are putting up the project. So they have an investment. So they might want to sell it to the utility or eventually they might want to give the wreck to the utility. So there's a benefit to the large utilities from this as well. I guess one last thing I'd uh, kind of note on some of the benefits too, and, and this kind of unique to community solar, community solar typically is under more of a lease scenario. And so a lot of subscribers realize day one savings through their participation. So that is kind of one um, additional benefit of community solar is the way that the financing is structured kind of provides those benefits to customers right away. Um, so that's just a great opportunity, particularly for those uh, you know, low to moderate income households that could really benefit from that right now. Liz, any final note? I just believe this is the year that we will be able to help our state and all of the individuals who want to get involved in solar. And if there's anyone out there listening and they want to get involved, how do they and who do they reach out to? Yeah, we would encourage you to check out our website at solutionnewmexico.org. Um, and that has kind of the latest and greatest updates, um, as well as a handful of news releases and some call to action pages. So I think that's just a great opportunity uh, for folks to get a little bit more engaged and learn more. 
And then uh, if there are other questions, there's also some contact information there that you can reach out to. If people would like to sign up to testify or if they would like to send an email supporting the bill, they can send that to S-C-O-N-C, S-C-O-N-C at the ampersand, N-M legis, L-E-G-I-S dot gov. I just want to thank both of you so much for joining us today. And if you just tuned in, we're speaking with Senator Liz Stefanics as well as Kevin Cray from the Coalition for Community Solar Access about the Community Solar Act. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mary Kay. Thanks for having us, MK. For KSFR, this is MK Mendoza. Talk to you tomorrow.